Marcel Louis-Jacques, you start your latest piece on ESPN.com about Tua Tungavailoa with one specific moment, the scene of the crime, if you will, during a Dolphins practice in May. What was going on? I don't want to say everybody's worst nightmare because that sounds super dramatic, right? But like, it was almost like deja vu, we'll put it. For background, Tua hit his head on the ground three times last year. On all three occasions, he was either pushed backwards or flung backwards, and he didn't control himself on the way to the ground. So at practice in May, he gets kind of rolled on, you know, pushed into, and he starts stumbling backwards. And I can imagine, you know, if if fans were there watching and the coaches watching, it's just happening in slow motion, like, oh, my God, here we go again. But this time around, instead of just falling flat and flopping on his back, he tucks his chin, he rolls, lands on his shoulder blade, somersaults backwards, and pops up like nothing happened. And as it turns out, that's exactly what he's been trained to do all summer. Yeah, well, Marcel, in a contact sport like football, falling down and getting back up and maybe even somersaulting, they all seem like essential parts of the game. So why were we putting so much significance on this one time? Oh, man, strap up because it's a wild story. I'll try to condense it as best as possible. In week three last year, when the Dolphins play the Bills, he throws an incomplete pass, and Bills linebacker Matt Milano gives him a little shove afterward. Was it late? Was it not? It depends on what team you root for. But either way, Tua stumbled backwards and hit the back of his head on the ground. And Tua, oh, he's woozy. Oof. Oh, it's the back of his head hitting the turn. He was shaken up, clearly, when he got back up and stumbled on his way back to the huddle to the point where Trainers actually took him back to the locker room to essentially evaluate him for a head and neck injury. At halftime, though, it was ruled that it was actually a back injury that made him stumble, and he was allowed to return back to the game. It drew, I mean, nationwide criticism. And that play, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you have seen that replay ad nauseum of him stumbling and grabbing his head after the hit. It actually led to an NFLPA investigation And they eventually, the NFL and NFLPA, agreed to change concussion protocol. The following week, he hits his head again against the Cincinnati Bengals, this time on national television. To a rolling left with the grain, and down he goes. Slung down in his own 48-yard line. Josh Tupu. And, uh uh-oh. It's one of the scariest things that you could see on a football field. He was unconscious for a second. His hands went in a fencing position. Tungabailoa is still down as they work on him. And we'll show you in a moment the way his fingers were stretching out at the end of that play. Talking to our sports medicine analyst, Mike Ryan tells us when he sees that, he's watching this as you are as well, it's a neurological response to head trauma. He was eventually hospitalized briefly and allowed to return home with the team for the night. But it opened a discussion on whether or not he should have even been allowed to play in the first place. You know, he comes back a couple weeks later. He plays at an MVP caliber level. He's got the Dolphins on a winning streak and they've got the backers at home on Christmas. He starts off hot. 84-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddle. The Dolphins are leading going into halftime. But sometime late in the second quarter, not a lot of people realized it in real time. As he's rolling out of the pocket, he's tackled and hit his head once again. 
He was actually concussed on that play and nobody noticed. Nobody could tell. He goes on to throw interceptions on three straight drives to end the game. The Dolphins lose. He talks to the media afterward like nothing happened. But the following day, after watching some film, coaches said, hey, why did you do this? What do you remember about this? Tua didn't have an answer. He was immediately sent to the doctor, the team doctor, put in concussion protocol and shut down for the season. So it was such like an up and down year for him because talent wise, like it was the best year of his career. But there's also this looming injury history and concussion history hanging over his head entering this season. So with that context, what made that one hit in practice so significant? Like what allowed Tua to have a different outcome? For the past, we'll call it six months, he has been training in jujitsu, specifically break fall training. He's been relearning how to fall. I got to catch up with the guys who have been coaching and teaching him these techniques for the past several months. They've placed so much emphasis on putting him in specific game scenarios and situations where like you're running and jumping, you're falling backwards, falling to your right and left, all to make sure he doesn't hit the back of his head and potentially suffer another concussion like he did in 2022. So to see him directly apply, immediately apply his training in as close to a real life scenario as you could get, it brought a level of comfort to not only the Dolphins, but to Tua himself. Two thousand and twenty-two was a year of growth and promise for Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, but it was also a season cut short by repeated head injuries that left the twenty-five-year-old signal caller pondering retirement in the off-season. Once Tua and his family made the decision to keep playing, the question became how to do so as safely as possible. For Tua and the Dolphins, they are hoping that the answer lies in another brutal physical sport, jujitsu. Today, Marcel Louis-Jacques explains how Tua's new martial arts training could be key to his staying healthy this season. And with it, a lucrative contract extension and maybe a Super Bowl. I'm Emily Kaplan. It's Monday, August 21st. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. 
All right, Marcel, Tua's season last year was headlined by these concussions that caused him to miss a bunch of games and frankly, were pretty terrifying for everyone watching and I'm sure for him and his family as well. So what was his offseason like after that traumatic 2022? After the season, I mean, he did something and admit to something that I don't know if many professional athletes in his situation would admit to, which is that he considered retirement. Granted, when he says he considered retirement, I think it was like a conversation or two with his family. He's got a wife. He's got a young son that was born last year. They actually have another on the way, but they had to ask themselves, hey, is is your long-term health really worth it? His parents specifically thought maybe football had run its course for him, but ultimately he decided he loves the game too much. He entered this year knowing that something needed to change. Obviously, he decided he wanted to keep playing football, but clearly, if an occurrence happens multiple times, like it's not just a coincidence. So he knew that he needed a way to protect himself on his way to the ground. He he trains with a trainer out here who runs a, a gym called Perform. Uh, the guy's name is Nick Hicks. And Nick went to a childhood friend of his. And, and you know, I got to withhold names because... You know, they want their identities protected here. But he went to a childhood friend who's a jujitsu enthusiast and asked, hey, do you think jujitsu or some sort of breakfall training can help him, you know, from a football perspective? That friend went to a coach at a local academy and the two of them devised a whole, I believe, eight to 10 week program for him to learn how to fall. And how they did it is they watched every snap of Tua's career then they watched several other quarterbacks who maybe have fallen in positive or negative ways and are positive and negative examples. And they devised a way to, again, literally teach him how to fall. As they say, controlled falling is a lot harder than it looks. Jiu-Jitsu is from mixed martial arts, right? And I'm not super familiar with it. And I am sure, again, with the attention and scrutiny that Tua Tungavailoa was getting, people were flooding him with all these ideas and options of how he could get his career back on track. So just explain to me Jiu-Jitsu a little more and how he landed on this path as his best option. So Jiu-Jitsu and, and Judo are, are kind of similar. And, you know, at their core, they both train you to contort your body and control your center of balance and, and, and land with grace, <laughs> essentially. I'm trying to put it in, in, in layman's terms here, but it, it is a way for him to, I guess, build the muscle memory and not necessarily just flop back, you know, like, is, like it's natural to do when you're on your way to the ground. It, it's a way for him to strengthen his core, to like learn proper technique, to, you know, like I said, tuck your chin, land on your shoulder blade, and prevent injury in the long run. You know, if you know anything about football, Marcel, you know that the number one rule when it comes to quarterbacks during practice and training is keep your hands off them. But as you're explaining here, like jujitsu is controlled falling and that all seems counterintuitive to that rule. So how did the Dolphins approach this as they reintroduced Tua back to their team? Yeah, obviously that red jersey was basically attached to him anywhere he went. But yeah, as we, we heard from Tua after their their preseason game against the Texans, it, it's football, right? Like hits are going to happen. And there's some times where like, you know, you're going to be hit and you can prepare for it and contort your body in a certain way. 
But there's other times where accidents happen, like it did in May, and you're you're bumped into or you're blindsided. And that's what this training is for, like any training, to build muscle memory and make it a reflex. They invited these coaches to the facility just to kind of observe, hey, what are these workouts like? And are they safe? Most importantly, this is our potential franchise quarterback after all. And they came away so impressed with the program that they asked them to teach the other quarterbacks on Miami's roster as well. So all three of them, four at the time, were trained more or less in in breakfall jujitsu. Marcel, I've heard stories of football players turning to ballet and dance to help improve them as athletes. I know a lot of guys have turned to yoga to improve flexibility. Pilates is a hot topic. Do you think that jujitsu, though, can become the next unconventional approach that will become super popular amongst football players? It probably depends on how it works for Tua, right? Like somebody's got to be first. And if it works for him, then more people are going to want to follow. But this is something I've asked his jiu-jitsu coaches. This is something that I asked gold medalist Kayla Harrison about earlier this year. And they all agree, like, we don't understand why more football players don't do it. One of the one of the coaches tells me, like, part of it is due to the recent explosion in popularity of grappling sports. You know, when a lot of people were growing up, we'll call it 20 years ago or so, like, if you are asking your parents, I want to learn you know, self-defense or combat sport, they're probably going to sign you up in, in Taekwondo or karate. They might sign you up for boxing. But, you know, wrestling and, and mixed martial arts, like these are something that have grown in popularity over the past 10, 20 years. A lot of guys go to boxing as well, though, like professional athletes. We've heard Le'Veon Bell. We've heard Brandon Marshall, even Teron Armstead to his teammate with the Dolphins. And Armstead's really the only one that that makes sense for because it's a lot of hand fighting at the line of scrimmage. But for a running back, for a receiver, for guys who are brought to the ground, if you hit the ground in boxing, something went terribly wrong. So why not train in something where you're specifically supposed to do some work while being thrown to the ground or while on the ground? That all makes way too much sense, Marcel. Right, like it's it's just too much logic, right? Uh-huh. Where's the fun in that? No, no. Well, let's have some fun because coming up, we're going to learn how the summer of Tua factors into what's at stake in 2023. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin. And the Wi-Fi is so terrible, you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, I want to go back to the 2022 NFL season here, Marcel, because going into the year, 
there were questions about whether or not Tua Tungavailoa could be the guy in Miami alongside new coach Mike McDaniel. What did the 2022 season ultimately end up telling us? You know, I'm not going to say that I am some quarterback guru. Mm -hmm. I'm not the end-all, be-all, the voice of reason. But I, I wanted to see, I wanted to see a couple things from from Tua entering the 22 season, namely. If the Dolphins were ever in trouble and they needed him to win the game for them, I wanted to see if he was able to do it. It's not something he could particularly do in 2021. And part of that was due to supporting casting and offensive scheme. But it's still a question that remained unanswered. He answered it almost immediately. You saw what he was able to do to the Baltimore Ravens, you know, throwing for 469 yards and six touchdowns. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Tunnel by Lohan. Blocked by Armstead. Two into the end zone. Caught for the touchdown! Caught for the touchdown! Waddle! Miami has taken the lead! I was starting to believe right then. So by season's end, I was confident that like, if the game is on the line and you got to put the ball into his hands, he can deliver for you. So the ability, the talent, it's not really a question. I think if you're if you've watched him, you, you might argue, hey, yeah, everybody can look good throwing a Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle. But like this is this is not in a vacuum. Like this is <laughs> football's a team sport. And right now the reality is that his team is built for him to succeed and he is talented enough to take advantage of that. Sure, but at Christmas, he's shut down. And then in the offseason, he tells us that he, even if it was briefly, was considering retirement at age 25. Now, he played well enough that his fifth-year option was picked up, but what's at stake for him coming up this year? How much money did Justin Herbert just get paid? A, a lot of money is at stake for him. And we, we actually, we asked him about that after Herbert signed that record-setting deal. And, you know, to a smile a bit. He said, look, I'm I'm excited for the quarterback market. I'm happy for Justin and, you know, I'm excited for Jalen and happy for myself. They, they do have another year of team control, you know, with that fifth year option. But if he stays healthy this year, if he improves on his 2022 season, improves that that wasn't just a fluke where NFL defenses didn't really know what to expect and had no answer, then I'd expect a pretty massive contract extension given how the quarterback market has developed. So there is generational wealth here at stake for him this summer. It seems like every year there's there's pressure on him in one way or another, but uh, this one feels a little different because it's less about ability and more about overall health and durability. A lot of big ifs, a lot of big conditionals here. And so when he returned to the football field on Saturday, it was the first time since Christmas, a span of 237 days after he was shut down to his second diagnosed concussion. He gets the nod in the preseason game against the Texans and everyone wants to know, how was he going to do this bright spotlight even on his first pass attempt? So how did he do? That first pass attempt? resulted in the exact same result as his previous pass attempt 237 days ago, an interception. Last week, Tungavailoa on the sprint out, throws an interception on the very first play. In towards the 10-yard line and down near the five is Denzel Perryman. What a start for the Texans' defense. It could not have been a worse start, but one person was not worried at all. One person was actually super excited by it. 
And it was Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel. So what you have to understand about Mike is his like core philosophy for this Dolphins team is that adversity is opportunity. When you walk in that Dolphins locker room, you make a left to, to go to the actual lockers themselves and written on the wall in big, shiny silver letters are three rules. And that is rule number one. So when he sees that interception, Mike says, perfect. What are you going to do? It was so valuable because it was the first play. Um, and, you know, he came back as I would expect. Uh, I'm glad he got it out of the way. Um, but more importantly, the team didn't blink. He loved the way that the defense responded right there. They forced a turnover on downs with like 10, 15 yards to play with. And then Tua takes over and leads this team on a 14-play, 93-yard scoring drive. He didn't throw the touchdown, but he was 5 of 6 on the drive, 61 yards, and completed three passes on third down. He looked like mid-season form sharp against a Texans defense that, like, let's be honest, he, he probably should tear apart on paper, but they are more talented in the secondary than I think a lot of people give them credit for. So yeah, I think that it was good for McDaniel to see that. It was good for Tua to kind of, you know, see the ball go through the hoop. I know I'm, I'm mixing sports here a little bit, but the concept remains the same. It was good for him to just, you know, see some success despite the worst possible, the worst possible start. And, and, what also scared a few people is after he threw the interception, he goes up to try to make the tackle. And when asked about it after the game, he kind of shrugged it off. I understand the the whole outlook of, okay, like you threw an interception, like try not to get hurt while you're trying to make a tackle. But on top of throwing the interception, what's even worse than that is the guy scoring when he intercepts the ball. So um, I think for me, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can to make a play and you know, if if not, then so be it, you know. What do you think that response says about Tua? Oh, he's he's tough. Like, he mentally, you know, it, he, you could be forgiving if you're taken to the hospital doing something, and the next time you do that thing, you're a little hesitant. You're a little scared. You tiptoe through it. I mean, shoot, if, if I was taken to the hospital by, you know, writing a story or doing an interview, Emily, I would probably think twice before doing that thing again. Like, it would be in the back of my mind, at least. But this isn't, I'm not Tua, and Tua's not me. Tua's not normal. Matter of fact, his first game back from his concussion last year against the Steelers, he scrambles and then lowers his shoulder into a Steelers defender. The entire stadium gasps, and he goes to the sideline and talks to McDaniel and literally has to tell Mike, yeah, sorry, Mike, I needed that one. (laughs) There's no fear from this guy and and whether that's due to just competitive nature or belief and trust in in his training and his offseason work either way the guy's not scared to play this game and again so much of the work that he put in this offseason was about putting him himself in better positions to be protected so he can stay healthy so in this first preseason game were there any opportunities for him to apply what he learned in the offseason Oh yeah, well, right away on that on that second drive. So he he throws an incomplete pass. His only incomplete pass of the drive, might I add. Sheldon Rankins, who off the top of my head I don't know, but I'm gonna guess he's somewhere around 310, 320 pounds, comes barreling at Tua. Motion across from Braxton Berrios. Tungabailoa, pressure in his face, wanted to set up a tight end screen to Smythe, and there was nowhere to go. Sheldon Rankins surging. Tungabailoa has seen some heat in the early going, Indy. Yes, he has. It was a clean play, but it is a play where last year it resulted in him hitting the back of his head on the ground. 
This time around, though, he was strong enough to be able to contort his body to the side. He lands on his shoulder instead, and it was not it was not a big deal. I think to only those watching and only those who like knew the history, it, it was significant. But if you're just a casual football fan watching for the hell of it, you would think this is not a significant play at all. And that, Emily, is exactly what they're going for. All right, Marcel, I'm going to end with this. And I know I'm treading some dangerous uh, waters here because we should never put too much stock in the preseason. However, if everything he did this offseason works, what type of ceiling are we talking about here for both Tua and the Miami Dolphins? All right, Emily, you ready for this? Oh, boy. I don't know. (laughs) But yes. Super Bowl. What? This is a Super Bowl roster. It's a roster constructed with a Super Bowl in mind and not in just the way that we hear every coach say at the beginning of the season, like, well, the goal is to win the Super Bowl. There's always 31 teams that are disappointed. No, like this team has made the moves they've made over the past two years, the acquisitions, the star power, getting Tyree Kill and Teron Armstead last year, trading for Bradley Chubb last year, trading for Jalen Ramsey this year, hiring Vic Fangio, like all of these moves they've made are because they saw what they could be at their best last year. Remember, at one point, they were the number one team in ESPN's power rankings. Like, they looked like a a, a Super Bowl contender. And I'm not going to say that, you know, anything under that is a complete and utter, utter failure and, and disappointment. You know, you, you have to win a playoff game first. They haven't done so in a fairly long time. I, 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 again, off the top of my head, I believe it's somewhere around 20, 21 years. You have to do that first before Super Bowl becomes the bearer expectation, the floor expectation. But if we're talking ceiling, if Tua stays healthy, if this defense holds up before Jalen Ramsey gets back, yeah, even in a loaded AFC, I don't think anybody would bat an eye if the Dolphins tore through this conference. Okay, I'm just summarizing this as such. Miami Dolphins reporter Marcel Louis-Jacques says the Miami Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Correct? Did I sum that up? You are going to get me chopped up on Twitter. I told you I still have a lot of Bills fans following, but I don't actually care. I don't care. When we're talking ceiling, absolutely this team could make a Super Bowl. And the beauty of it is we're going to get to see them play against some of this conference's best teams throughout the year. They start the season against the Chargers. They obviously play the Bills twice. They even play the Chiefs overseas midway through the year. And they've got the Eagles on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks before that. Like, I know they're the NFC, but still, that's a team that could probably come out of that other conference. We're going to get to see them play a tough schedule. They even play the Cowboys, the Ravens. Like, it, it is not easy for them. So we're going to have a very good idea of what this team is capable of by the time Week 18 comes around. But ceiling? Yeah, this is a Super Bowl team. Okay, avoid your mentions, but I'm sold. Tony Reale, give him all the points next time he's on around the horn. <laughs> Thank you, Marcel. This is awesome. Of course. Thanks for having me here. I'm Emily Kaplan. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.